46 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just wanted to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends at Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And just a short time ago, the Rangers wrapping up a disappointing 5-2 home loss to the Vancouver Canucks, their second consecutive defeat. And we're going to break down all of the highlights and lowlights from this game in just a second. But I actually wanted to start with something that had a lot of Ranger fans buzzing, especially if you go on Twitter. And that was the decision from Gerard Gallant and his coaching staff to make Philip Heedle a healthy scratch for the second consecutive game. And to kind of just back up for a second and get everybody caught up uh, as far as where we are with Philip Heedle right now. So Heedle missed a game against the Washington Capitals. Heedle was feeling a little bit under the weather. By all accounts, it was a non-COVID-related illness, and so he set out that game. And then he was a healthy scratch for the game against the Pittsburgh Penguins, a game that uh, turned into a one to nothing loss for the New York Rangers, and now a healthy scratch once again for this 5-2 to loss to the Vancouver Canucks. And there's a lot to talk about here. And first of all, let me just say, I am in agreement with all of you who were on Twitter and saying that Philip Heedle should really be in this lineup. I, I mean, you look at some of the other Ranger players that are, you know, in, in the lineup every night, and, you know, I think a lot of people rightfully focused in on Greg McKegg. I've got absolutely nothing against Greg McKegg, but the fact is, Philip Heedle actually has some upside, and I realize he's been inconsistent. I realize he's been uh, streaky at best so far in his Ranger tenure. I realize that he doesn't really do a whole lot defensively to help you. He's not going to kill penalties or anything like that. He's not really going to play a physical brand of hockey, but he does have some offensive upside, and given the fact that the Rangers are really struggling to score goals, I mean, that that's a storyline that's really kind of sprung up out of nowhere here. Uh, the Rangers just having a lot of trouble putting the puck in the net uh, post-All-Star break here. They have only, in fact, scored more than two goals once after the All-Star break. I'm, I'm bringing up the schedule real quick right here. And uh, yeah, the Rangers have played six games after the All-Star break. They have been held to two goals and fewer in five of those six games. So Philip Heedle, at least in theory, could help you there. I've even floated out the idea of him maybe playing on a line with Panarin and Strom. The only issue there is that line would completely lack physicality of pretty much any sense. Um, so, you know, I understand why every now and then, you know, Jared Gallant uh, likes to go with a bruiser on the right wing to complement uh, Panarin and Strom. But, you know, we're living in a world right now where Philip Heedle, there, there's a decent case to be made that he should be getting top six minutes, especially with Capo Caco out of the lineup. And not only is he not getting six minutes, he's not even getting to play. He's been a healthy scratch for these last couple of games. And again, to kind of just look at this from Gerard Gallant's point of view, he was very complimentary of the Rangers for how they've played over their last two games prior to this game against the Canucks last night. He thought that the 4-1 to win against the Caps and the one nothing loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins were two of the best games that the Rangers have played all season. That's what he said, and, you know, I would have to agree with him. The Rangers were locked in in both of those games and uh, competed really hard for 60 minutes, did all the things to, you know, potentially win both those games, obviously came up a little bit short against Pittsburgh in a game that could have gone either way. But again, you've got Heedle... Uh, just basically rotting away in the press box and not playing for a team that seemingly could stand to add some offense to the lineup. And I understand he struggled, but, and I think most people will agree with me on this, Philip is a better bet to contribute offensively than Greg McKaig, than probably, uh, not even probably, than Dryden Hunt, than 
Probably Kevin Rooney, although who, who's to say for sure? Kevin Rooney kind of got hot earlier in the season, but you get the idea. Filipino's got far more upside than any of them, far more offensive potential. If one of them is going to go on a tear offensively, uh, I think Filipino would probably be your guy. But unfortunately, and, and I think this is something else that Gallant might be seeing right now. His theory on Heedle, and I can't speak for him. He didn't say this. I'm just trying to kind of hypothesize why Philip Heedle would be the odd man out when you've got guys that are basically marginal NHL talents, you know, playing instead of him. And the thing that I can come up with is that with Philip Heedle, he's not scoring anyway, right? And he's not going to do anything else. If he's not scoring offensively, then it's hard to see what value Philip Heedle brings to this team. And somebody like Greg McKegg, well, he could at least play physical hockey. He, he can kill a penalty if you need him to. But to me, that's just not enough. There are plenty of guys on this team that can play physical hockey. I think the Rangers can get by without Greg McKegg in the lineup. And I think that, you know, it's hard to say what's going to happen with Filipino, if he's going to be still on this team uh, past the trade deadline or not. But if he is here, again, you look at the playoff standings, I think there's no real reason to pull Filipino out of the lineup. Uh, it's not as if he's absolutely killing this team. And even if he was, I think you give him the opportunity, again, considering the Rangers' playoff standing, you give him the opportunity to turn things around, try to get going, try to find that scoring touch, and try to, uh, you know, get him pointed in the right direction and get him ready to go for a playoff run. And if you're not thinking that Philip Heedle is going to be here after the trade deadline. Well, you're causing yourself quite a bit of leverage in trade talks because Philip Heedle, let's be honest here, his trade value continues to basically sink because the Rangers don't really have a leg to stand on. I mean, Heedle, again, he's had his flashes here and there, but he's played 227 career regular season games with the Rangers. He has 83 points in those 227 games. He has only been a half point per game player once in the five seasons that he spent with the Rangers. Now, granted, 2017-2018, he was only here for nine games, but the only time he's even been a half point per game player was in 2020-2021. That was last season. He had 22 points in 42 games. This season, he's got five goals and seven assists for a total of just 12 points in 41 games. And so if you're the Rangers, I mean, to begin with, he's not really having that great of a season. But if you're the Rangers and you're looking to move Philip Hedl, uh, you know, maybe there's a team that swoops in and, you know, comes with a sort of like a, a buy low kind of an offer trying to get Philip Hedl for less than he should be available to get, then I can definitely see, first of all, where that team would be coming from. You know, it's, again, it's a buy low opportunity. But beyond that, if you're the Rangers and you keep healthy scratching this guy, you have no leg to stand on when it comes to trade negotiations for Filipino. How are you, if you're the Rangers, if you're Chris Drury or any member of this front office, how are you going to, you know, offer Filipino and one anything even close to being significant in return when you as a franchise, first of all, he's not having a good season, but you as a franchise are making him a healthy scratch two consecutive nights. He was a healthy scratch one time earlier this season. And not only are you making him a healthy scratch, but you're making him a healthy scratch in favor of guys like Greg McKaig. And I'm not, again, I'm not picking on McKaig, but you get the idea here. You know, McKaig is a journeyman at best, NHL, AHL swingman. He has no upside to speak of, and yet he is playing over Philip Hedl. The other possibility, and I saw somebody float this idea on Twitter, is that maybe there's already a deal in place for Filipino. Maybe, you know, the Rangers and somebody, one other team are kind of like haggling over the, uh, you know, the specifics of a trade involving Filipino. And obviously, if that's the case and you're the Rangers, then you wouldn't want him to get hurt and nix the whole thing. 
But I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how likely that is. I guess we'll find out in the next coming days. I, I suppose if that is the case, that I can at least understand where the Rangers are coming from. I mean, first of all, Heedle's not playing that well anyway. And secondly, you wouldn't want to get him hurt if you feel like you have a trade in place that's about to get done. And again, you don't want to end up nixing the whole thing. But I don't know. It's a fascinating situation to track because like I said, it's just hard to believe that this is where we're at with Philip Heedle, that he's a healthy scratch over, you know, fourth line players over guys that can't score goals or contribute in any meaningful offensive way over guys that, you know, are typically NHL, AHL swingmen. I mean, it's been quite the, uh, the fall from grace here for Filipino because, you know, last year was his best season as a New York Ranger. Again, 22 points in 42 games. It's not spectacular, but I think after last season, you know, you start feeling like, okay, Filipino's moving in the right direction. But unfortunately this year, it just hasn't carried over. And they've done a nice job keeping him off of the fourth line. I, I realize the Rangers don't have depth, and the third line has been an issue, uh, something of an issue for the Rangers all season. But be that as it may, you know, they, they've given him at least some opportunities, and unfortunately, Hedo just hasn't been able to take advantage. And this is where we are. Philip Hedo's a, a healthy scratch in favor of, you know, the uh, the Greg McKegs and the Dryden Hunts of the world. And, and nothing against those guys either, but... Uh, again, they don't have the kind of upside, at least theoretical upside, that Filipino has. And yes, Filipino still does have some upside. He's 22 years old. It's easy to forget that because he's been here for a while. But uh, yeah, just just a very uh, strange situation, one that we'll keep our eyes on going forward, to be sure. Uh, we're going to talk about this game, break down all the highlights and the lowlights in just a second. But first, just want to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, just want to thank everybody for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's go ahead and turn our attention to the actual game here now that we've uh, gotten the Filipino rant out of the way. But, um, yeah, you know, this was an interesting game because I, I thought that the Rangers got off to a pretty good start. You know, all things considered, you consider the fact that it's the second game of a back-to-back. They were in a grueling physical battle with the Pittsburgh Penguins. It was really intense, a lot of extracurriculars after the whistle. We talked about that with Hunter Hodes from Locked On Penguins. You also consider the fact that it's their third game in the past four days. You know, overall, I thought they had their legs under them early in this game. They were moving pretty good and uh, looking like they were going to, you know, have, have a pretty strong night, pretty strong performance for themselves. Obviously, it just didn't happen that way. And I know that there were a lot of Ranger fans who, not a lot, but there were at least a few Ranger fans. You, know, you go on social media, you see what everybody's saying. A few people were not happy with Alex Georgiev and his performance. Look, for starters... What Alex Georgiev is being asked to do is not easy. He plays very, very sparingly for this Ranger team, and I'd almost like to see him not dramatically 
have an increase as far as what percentage of the games he's playing, but at least a little bit of an uptick in the percentage of games that Georgiev starts down the stretch. And I realize the Rangers have not clinched playoffs yet. There's still some work to do. And obviously, even once you clinch playoffs, you know, there's seeding to worry about. And obviously, it would be nice to have home ice advantage in the first round, assuming that the Rangers do make it. But Igor Shesterkin is a guy, we, we've been over this, you know, he's had some injury issues since coming into the league, and I think it would make sense to do your best to keep him fresh for the playoffs, because, you know, obviously the Rangers seem like they are playoff bound, and if you clinch a playoff spot with eight or ten games to go, then I think it's okay to have, have Alex Georgiev play a few of those games, and as we know, Alex Georgiev tends to do better when he's not playing as sparingly as he's been playing. In fact, this was the first start for Alex Georgiev since January 27th, so it's been almost an entire month. It has been an entire month. Yesterday was February 27th. His last start was January 27th. And I realized the All-Star break obviously had something to do with that as well. The Rangers went through uh, two straight weeks there without playing hockey of any kind. But even so, that's a long time to go between starts. And when you look at the four goals that the Canucks scored, obviously not counting the empty netter at the end of the game, I would say really only one of them was on Georgiev. The first goal that the Canucks scored was the result of the Rangers failing to clear their zone, turning the puck over, and obviously it leads to a golden opportunity. The Canucks convert on a goal from the high slot area. The second one, I would say, this is the one that Georgiev probably would have wanted back, although even on this one, I think the Rangers were caught a little bit out of position, but uh, it was getting toward the end of the first period. It's only one to nothing Canucks at this time, and... You know, I think, again, the Rangers had a decent enough start in this game. They had some good jump to their game. They created some scoring opportunities in the first period. They just couldn't score. Chris Kreider had about five or six legitimate scoring opportunities in this game and just could not get the puck past Thatcher Demko. Uh, that's another thing, too. We got to give a lot of credit to the other goalie. We're so used to Igor Shesterkin giving the Rangers, you know, this massive edge in net. That's what he usually does. Uh, unfortunately, on this night, uh, Igor was on the bench. Alex Georgiev played, and he was clearly outdueled by Thatcher Demko, who I thought made uh, several really, really strong saves in this game. But anyway, you know, the uh, Canucks score on a shot from near the top of the left faceoff circle. And again, that was with only about 35 or 40 seconds to go in the opening period. So that's the one that I think Georgiev would want back. It kind of just got through him. But even there, like I said, you know, the Rangers caught a little bit out of position. And then the other two goals, and we're not going to count the empty netter again, obviously, but the other two goals that the Canucks scored, both came as the result of just Picture perfect deflections. I mean, guys in front of the net, you know, the puck gets played toward the net and it deflects off of their stick and, you know, goes up into the roof of the net or goes off the post and in. I mean, you cannot do it any better than the Canucks did it on these two deflections. And I don't think there's really any goalie in hockey that was going to come up with this. Probably not even Igor Shesterkin. Maybe he pulls a rabbit out of his hat and does what he's done all season and comes away with at least one of those two saves. But I don't know. I, I don't see how you can really uh, put too much of this game on Alex Yuryev. He did what he could, made a couple of good saves here and there. Uh, the Rangers just did not have their A game, and you know, I think in the second period especially, they started to look like a tired team, and that was also the case for the first half of the third period. Now, the good news, if you're a Ranger fan and you're looking for kind of a silver lining here, they did come storming back in the third period. We've talked all season how there is no quit in this team. They score a couple of goals uh, with 10 minutes or so to go, and they cut it down to 4-2. They get a couple of chances to knock it down to 4-3. You start thinking, oh, man, miracle comeback here. Here we go. Um, it wasn't meant to be, and again, the Canucks sealed the game with a uh, an empty net goal, but we'll continue talking about all this and uh, some other interesting talking points coming out of this game in just a second, but first, just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers 
is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse just so happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right, so I mentioned a couple of minutes ago how the Rangers really kind of scuffled in their own end, really seemed to have some issues clearing the puck out of their own zone. This was something that was kind of a theme all night, and the stage was kind of set uh, less than four minutes into the action when the Canucks took a one to nothing lead on a goal by Tanner Pearson. Basically, the Rangers have the puck in their own zone, and it's looking like it's going to be a fairly simple clear, but uh, the Canucks pressure the puck. They keep it in. And JT Miller, you know, obviously now playing for the Canucks, and he ended up with two assists in this game because, of course, he did. Anytime the Rangers play one of their former players, you can mark them down for a multi-point night. But Miller kind of anticipated what was going to happen here because he didn't really start back-checking. You could maybe even argue that this was a case of cherry-picking, but obviously it worked out in Miller's favor. He basically just stayed in the Rangers' zone, uh, behind the Ranger net, in fact, and I guess he just kind of had a feeling or had an instinct that the Canucks were going to be able to keep the puck in the zone, and they did, and then they worked the puck back to Miller. Miller comes out the other side of the net in front, makes a pass to Pearson, and Pearson slams it home and scores and gives the Canucks a one to nothing lead. And again, that just kind of set the stage. This goal set the stage for the Rangers scuffling in their own end. I thought Jacob Truba had a rough night. And, you know, Truba, I'm a big Truba guy. I think a lot of the, uh, not that Ranger fans are constantly bashing Truba, but I think sometimes he is a target because he does have the big contract. Um, but overall, I think he's had a great season for the Rangers, and by all accounts, somebody that has really stepped up as a leader. But he had some rough moments in this game. There was an instance in the first period where uh, the puck was in the Rangers' zone, and I'm not really sure what he was trying to do here, but he just kind of sweeped at the puck and tried to, I guess, clear it. Maybe he was looking to hit somebody and stride up the ice, but it was a really ill-advised pass because there was a Canuck right there, and his pass hit the Canuck. It fell at the Canuck player's skates, and then uh, the there was a centering pass, and uh, Georgiev had to make a really good save point-blank stop on the doorstep there to prevent the Canucks from scoring, and it was just completely unnecessary. I'm not sure what Truba was doing there, and then at the end of the second period, about 10 or 12 seconds to go in the second period, uh, Truba has the puck behind the Ranger net, and I don't know, once again, if he's looking to you know, just kind of uh, make a stretch pass to somebody, move the puck quickly up the center of the ice, but time's dwindling in the second period, and he tried to force a pass, and there's a Canuck in front of the uh, Ranger net, and he knocks it down, and he's got a, an opportunity right there from the doorstep. Now, in this case, uh, Keandre Miller made a really nice play, kind of bailed out Truba. He saw what was happening, came over, and knocked the puck away from the Canuck immediately, so it didn't result 
uh, in a shot on net, but uh, obviously Truba not having uh, one of his banner games of the season. Really, nobody did. I, I mean, I guess maybe you could say Lafreniere, and we'll, we'll talk about him in a second as well. But again, the Rangers just really, really sloppy in this game. You got to give some credit to the Canucks. I thought they were pretty relentless on the forecheck. It's a team that came into the action last night, five points out of the playoffs. They've kind of had this resurgence, and, and you know they're, they're scratching, clawing their way back into the postseason picture, playing with a lot of urgency last night. And uh, again, very aggressive on the forecheck, taking advantage of a Ranger team playing for the third time in four days. Uh, but be that as it may, you got to do a better job if you're the Rangers of, you know, taking care of the puck in your own zone. Because again, there were stretches in this game where I thought the Rangers really played well. They created some scoring opportunities. Thatcher Demko was just, you know, lights out on the other end of the ice. And, and, you know, he made a lot of really good saves. There were times in this game where I thought the Rangers skated very well, but they were just sloppy with the puck and particularly in their own end. And obviously that just can't happen. It's not a recipe for winning. Let's just put it that way. And then something else that happened in the first period that I thought was maybe the key sequence of this game. It's getting late. You're down to less than a minute remaining in the opening stanza here. And the Rangers are down one to nothing at this time. And they have an opportunity to get the equalizer. And Alexi Lafreniere, I mentioned him just a second ago. Really nice. Uh, pass in deep to Keandre Miller, who was crashing the net, kind of a slap pass. He put a lot of uh, lot of sauce on this pass and got it to Miller. Miller is there for what looked like it could be a tip-in goal, and obviously Keandre Miller's been playing better and playing with a lot of confidence recently, scored a couple of goals recently, um, but he is denied by, once again, uh, Thatcher Demko, who had a really nice night for the Canucks. Demko slides to his right, makes a right pad save, and then uh, the Canucks quickly transition the other way, goes back in the other direction, and and they end up getting a goal from Tyler Myers, Myers' first goal of the season. And uh, that was the one that I mentioned that I think Alex Georgiev would want back. But basically, uh, you know, Myers, he scores here with 39 seconds to go in the first period. Basically, what you've got here is a two-goal swing because the Rangers came within an eyelash of potentially nodding the equalizer there, and then it goes back in the opposite direction. And just a matter of seconds later, it's 2-0 Canucks rather than potentially being 1-1, the rare two-goal swing in hockey. And it's tough if you're, you know, a member of the Rangers because obviously, you know, you've played an uneven first period. They've done some good things. They've done some not-so-good things, but you get that equalizer there. It's 1-1. Maybe you're starting to feel a little bit better. Maybe you go into the second period and yeah okay you know we, we've had some miscues but we're going to dig deep play in our third game in the past four days we're going to find a way to get this win get two points uh unfortunately you know they're down two nothing instead and it ends up ballooning to four nothing Rangers obviously did not play a very good second period at all I, I thought the first five minutes of the second period the Rangers looked pretty good but after that it kind of just fell apart uh you get the Canucks making it four nothing on a power play goal that's another thing. The Canucks converted their only power play opportunity on the night. The Rangers were 0 for 3 on the power play, despite having some pretty good opportunities. But then, you know, I got to talk a little bit about the uh, the rally that the Rangers had in the third period, making a game of it, at least, you know, bring the garden back to life, making you think that they could pull off a miracle here. Uh, for starters, you've got the goal by Alexi Lafreniere. And basically what happened on this one was uh, Mika Zibanejad prevents the puck from exiting the Vancouver zone, carries it back up the left side, and then passes straight across to his right to Alexi Lafreniere, and Lafreniere bangs it home and uh, makes it 4-1 to Canucks, 9-53 into the third period. And then, uh, with just about six minutes to go in the game, Adam Fox to Artemi Panarin. Panarin's back near the blue line. He throws the puck toward the net. And if I saw this right, I, I think Strom went for the deflection. It deflected off of something. 
glanced off the post, came right back to Ryan Strom, and then Strom buried the rebound. And if there is anybody on this Ranger team who really needed a goal, I would say it's Ryan Strom. You know, I think he actually scored not too long ago, but he has not really played all that great since the All-Star break. And Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strom, at least by their standards, they've been a little bit quiet recently as well. So it was nice to see the two of them link up for a goal. And of course, Adam Fox with the secondary assist because you're not going to get through a Ranger game without Adam Fox getting at least one assist. I mean, that's the way that it feels. He leads all defensemen in the NHL with most assists with 43. And again, it was nice to see this. And then, you know, something that drew the ire of Gerard Gallant, and I think a lot of Ranger fans, myself included, you know, the Rangers, they're feeling it right now. They've got some jump back in their game, and then they're starting to believe, you know, maybe we can pull this one out. I believe it was the shift right after this. You know, the Rangers go storming up the ice. They've got a little bit of a rush developing. Barclay Goodrow gains the blue line, and he gets tripped, and nothing is called. Now, I think the referee uh, seemed to believe that this was uh, stick on stick, which would not, you know, obviously result in a tripping penalty. It was tough to tell in the replay. I mean, to me, it looked like a penalty. I thought he got tripped up on this play, and... Look, we know how lethal the Ranger power play can be. I know they were 0 for 3 on this night, but they got some good chances and they were going to get another chance. And the way the Ranger power play has worked this season, you figure uh, it's only a matter of time before the damn break, so to speak. And it would have been really nice to see the Rangers get that power play opportunity with about, you know, 4.30 or 5 minutes remaining. They can, you know, maybe convert there. And if you do, I mean, game on, because now it's 4 to 3, which is about, you know, 4 minutes left or how much, however much time would have been left in the game at that point. But unfortunately, they didn't call it. Uh, the Rangers pulled their goalie with about three minutes to go, and unfortunately, uh, Elias Pettersson scores with 2.09 remaining, and that pretty much sealed the deal. But uh, yeah, not not a great performance by the Rangers. There were little positives here and there. There were little flashes of good play, but uh, they basically just didn't play much hockey of any kind from, I would say, five minutes into the second period until probably about 10 minutes remaining in the third period. So they they kind of just went into a 25-minute lapse there where they just weren't doing much of anything. And on top of that, you know, the first period, like I said, it was a little bit uneven. There were some positives. There were some good scoring opportunities for the Rangers, but just too many mistakes and too many uh, miscues, and you just can't overcome that uh, against a team in the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, you look at the standings, and they're on the outside of the playoff picture looking in, but they've played very well recently, and you're just not going to survive that. So that's pretty much that. I mean, I would imagine, look, the Rangers, they close out the month of February with a record of 4-2-1. and one. At some point, we'll kind of recap the month, put a bow on everything, and we will turn the page to March. We'll also take a look at what's coming up in March. And in fact, we'll actually do that right now. We'll, we'll take a quick glance at the schedule here. The Rangers are back in action on Wednesday night. They play host to the St. Louis Blues. So Pavel Buchnevich is going to be back in the garden. Puck drops at 7.30 for that one. And the Rangers actually, they go through this stretch here from March 2nd through March 12th, where they play every other night uh, for that entire stretch there. So they'll play on March 2nd, the 4th, the 6th, the 8th, the 10th, and the 12th, and then uh, not again until the 15th. So that's kind of interesting that it falls that way, and hopefully that allows the Rangers to get into a rhythm. They don't have any back-to-backs to deal with. In fact, the Rangers' next back-to-back -back will not be until the very end of March, March 29th and March 30th. They'll have a couple of road games at Pittsburgh and at Detroit. So uh, we'll see how it goes. It's a, it's a pretty loaded month here. It looks like the Rangers have a total of 15 games in the month of March, and to be a little bit more specific, they will play 15 games in the span of 29 days. So uh, going to be busy, and like I said, we'll dive into this in a little bit more detail in a future episode. 
But just a couple of final thoughts on this game before we call it a day here. Uh, there was an instance in the third period where they actually flip-flopped Ryan Reeves and Dryden Hunt. They moved Ryan Reeves up to the Panarin line, Panarin, Strom, and Reeves, and they dropped Dryden Hunt down to the fourth line. And again, you know, I saw it wasn't a ton of fans, but a couple people were upset about this. And uh, what is Ryan Reeves doing on the second line? Look, I mean... Options are very limited right now, and obviously the Rangers were looking for a little bit of a spark, trying to shuffle the deck a little bit, trying to do anything to get them going, because when they made this change, they were down 4 nothing. and like I said, mostly uh, just a completely lackluster second period, so, um, you know, they, they they made the change, they gave Ryan Reeves a, a spot in the top six for, you know, the, uh, the, the home stretch there, and I don't really have a problem with it, because... Again, who else do you really want playing on that second line right wing spot? I mean, maybe you would say Philip Heedle. There might be certain uh, fans who would say that, but facts are facts. Heedle was a healthy scratch in this game. Is Ryan Reeves that much of a downgrade from Dryden Hunt playing on the right wing? Is he even a downgrade at all? Because, I mean, actually, you look at the stats, uh, Ryan Reeves has 10 points this season. He's got two goals and eight assists. Dryden Hunt's got three goals and six assists. So... Reeves has actually done a little bit more offensively than Dryden Hunt has. Again, I, I think this just shines a light on the fact that the Rangers are going to need to add, uh, you know, some offense and some depth scoring and hopefully a right winger. You could maybe make a case for center as well. But I didn't have any issues with that because I thought Ryan Reeves, uh, you know, on a night where not a lot of Rangers were at their very best, I, I thought, you know, he looked pretty good in this game. He was hitting like he always does. And uh, there was even an instance where, you know, he carried the puck into the zone. He circled around behind the net. He made a nice pass. This was earlier in the game before he got moved up to the second line. But I had no issues with that whatsoever. Again, you're, you're looking for a little bit of a spark, a little bit of a jump start. So I get it. But I want to leave everybody with kind of a positive thought here because obviously this wasn't the most fun game we've seen the Rangers play this season, you know, with the exception of the rally at the end and, you know, a couple brief instances of some strong play. Just wasn't really that fun of a game. But this was something that I put into my notes in the second period, and it happened right after uh, Lamico scored on the deflection to make the score 3-0 Canucks. I wrote into my notes that it's just weird to see the Rangers in a spot like this because when is the last time that the Rangers were down by three goals early in the second period? When's the last time they were down by three goals, period? I mean, it hasn't happened, unless I'm forgetting something, you know, a certain game that didn't go the Rangers' way. I can't remember the last time that the Rangers were trailing by three goals, you know, fairly early in the second period. I believe it was about six minutes in uh, when the Canucks made it three to nothing. And so, yeah, this wasn't a fun game. It obviously didn't go the Rangers' way. But I think that, you know, thought right there kind of gives you an idea of just the kind of season that the Rangers are having. This does not happen very often where the Rangers are down 3 nothing early in the second period or 4 nothing near the end of the second period. I know there were a couple games early in the season against Calgary where the Rangers uh, really kind of got run off the ice and the, the Flames basically just took it to them. But man, this does not happen very often where the Rangers are trailing by three goals First of all, early in the second period, or secondly, at any point in any game. You know, they're, they're pretty much in every game. They won a lot more than they've lost, obviously. And uh, again, that is a sign that the Rangers are having a really strong season for themselves. And we look at, you know, a 3 nothing deficit early in the second period, and we go, man, when is the last time that this has happened? It's obviously been a fun season. And one thing we know about this Ranger team, when they have, you know, a borderline stinker like they did in this game, they have definitely shown a knack for bouncing back from it. And I look for them to do just that in a matchup against the St. Louis Blues on Wednesday. Of course, Pavel Buchnevich, we know he's going to get a goal and an assist. But despite that, I think the Rangers will win the game anyway. I do look for them to bounce back because that's been their uh, one of their trademarks all season. They bounce back from rough performances. Uh, but that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, 
please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, we're going to wrap up everything that happened in the month of February as well as turn our attention to the schedule in March, and we will also preview the matchup against the St. Louis Blues. Now make your second listen, Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Host Steel Rodin and Flip Livingston help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.